Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. The uh, the weather may have finally turned cold here at Glorio headquarters, but our passion for anime still burns bright. Also, not probably... really. It like yeah. went up to like ninety <laughs> degrees yesterday. So I, I was gonna say, you guys probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, for most of the rest of America, it, it's finally got cold. But uh, you guys are still. Uh, is, is California still on fire? I don't know. But I think so. It's not always not on as fire. Bad, but... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we've got a uh, we've got a lot of anime to talk about lined up today, and so uh, just before we do that, to introduce everybody, I'm I'm Jell, and I am joined by Iro. Uh, yep, I'm still here to talk about the anime, and joined by G. Thanks for introducing us, Jell. But I think I think you might have addressed us incorrectly there. Uh, I believe, uh, according to my notes here, you are. You are Podcastman, and you had just introduced Sad Right Man, and myself, <laughs> Tired Draw Man. Uh, Death Stranding naming convention is, is that, so is much. across the board how everybody is like, okay, I mean, like, you, go to, you go to the hub at the start, and you meet uh, Dead Man, played by Guillermo del Toro. Yes. And then, then you, you meet, meet Die Hard Man, who's just Ed, wearing a mask. Willis? <laughs> I wish. Uh, and yes, and then you are briefly introduced to uh, your tech guide, who is just named Heartman. So, so you have Dead Man, mm-hmm. Die Hard Man, and Heartman, as in the organ. And yeah. it makes sure. reading the logs very confusing because <laughs> all of their names are basically yep. like less than two steps away from each other. And what's the president's name? Samantha America Bridges? No, Samantha America Strand. That's right. Samantha America Strand. The president of the United Cities of America. Oh my god. <laughs> Played by Lindsay the... Wagner. It, uh, yes, yes. It seems like the type of game that... Uh... If if Die Hard Man was Bruce Willis, you would not like bat an eyelash. But uh, I have to say, I having zero interest in the original announcements, <laughs> I actually am starting to get a little interested in that game. But I mean, like the I, first thing I did was enter my birthday, and then a splash screen came up saying that people who are Aries or Pisces were more likely to be afflicted with dooms. Huh. I think for me, and it I says, just had no idea what the fuck. Right, I, I it, it, same thing for me. It, it asked me for my birthday, and it said those born under the the star of Cancer are more likely to have like stronger side effects of dooms or right. whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, I think that's the same one. Rather, okay, yeah. fine. I was just like, I <laughs> okay, what is dooms? I I, I got no guy. Uh, yes, we we're talking about dooms, which is in all caps, D O O M S, a mysterious affliction that the main character Sam Porter Bridges uh suffers from. Sure, and also uh, he is a repatriate, which means he can reincarnate yes yes when die not only is he a doom uh, not only afflicted with dooms a a a newfound uh, affliction found in the world after 
the Death Stranding that changed the world for forever. Mm-hmm. He, he is not only a dooms sufferer, but he is simultaneously a, a, a repatriate, uh, which means he is like a super special. Because uh, when he dies, instead of uh, returning to the beach, where all the dead return to after the Death Stranding, he returns to the scene in which uh, he can uh, find the strand to bring him back into the world of the living. So it's Dark Souls. <laughs> kind of is. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Right. I, I've got. I've played a few hours of that game, and I will say that... So um, is it the Dark Souls of walking simulators? I mean, that is a that is a that is a trite comparison, but perhaps not incorrect in the sense of like, yeah, like like it's <laughs> there are there are some similarities. Yeah, for sure. But it's it's there's some neat stuff at play there. Like I find I did a I did a mission that finally had me like I mean I was always kind of into the the concept of the game, but I I did a a mission last night that really had me like really come to appreciate. Uh, what what was going on in that game and uh i I don't know if we want to get into it too much but a lot of it is very much connected to the the concept of the connectivity and the you know the the ability for those unfamiliar with the game you you basically there's a dark soul style system in the game where you can see items and messages and and structures built and left behind by other players Mm -hmm. and you can physically interact with them and they can often be uh, quite helpful, uh, Eero, I expect you to use my bridge sometime in the near future. <laughs> so I uh, also dragged eighty kilograms of metal over to a, a, a river where I almost died. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> and made a bridge <laughs> where I almost died. Okay, f- yes, I did basically the same thing. I, I never saw your bridge. I, I, my understanding is that I you did, were more I made that this morning. <laughs> oh, okay, yes, I, I haven't played since last night. I, I. Uh, they say that you are more likely to see structures built by your your PSN friends, but oh, I have okay. yet to see anything built by you. Maybe you might. I don't know. Maybe you'll see the ladder that I built that gets to a pretty con- well. Maybe maybe you'll find it. I, I don't know how long the structures last in game, but but yeah. uh, there's a. It's an interesting game. It's a really interesting game, and I think that people yeah. are going to have very diverse opinions on it. Uh, I think it is a game you definitely would have to experience for yourself uh for better or worse but i mean yeah, yeah like i had to case. deliver a thing over here but there was a sheer rock wall between me and the location and i could either go all the way around uh or use this convenient climbing rope that another player had left yeah see i i did that once i was like ah oh, crap either this way has to go through all these like uh, parcel bandits mm-hmm. or I can like try and you know scale this sheer cliff wall well there's a rope there so maybe this is the easier way already except oh no that side is filled with toxic ghosts <laughs> and <laughs> let me tell you um, you know as a tip if you ever find yourself see if you ever find yourself having to go between two routes and one of them is filled with <laughs> the UPS bandits uh-huh. and the other side is filled with the toxic ghosts go with the UPS bandits yeah, every time I because so, yeah. the toxic ghosts are real motherfuckers. Those BTs are real motherfuckers. They're, now that said, I did finally get an item that, uh, that helped me kind of deal with them a little bit easier. Oh, yes. I did get, uh, my piss grenade. 
to throw at no, the BT. No, 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 no. Those are those are those are small time. The the, oh. pee, and, the pee and poop grenades ain't shit. Nah, <laughs> nah. You you need to get far enough to the story till you get the uh, the hematic grenades, the blood oh, grenades. I see. Yeah, I'm because not that far uh, those things really help trivialize the BTs a little bit. Like, okay. it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to like. Look, man, I went I went through this one area during a story mission, and like. For the mission, they were like, here's two grenades. They might come in handy. I was like, motherfucker, I've seen how many of those things come out of the goddamn mist <laughs> when it gets real bad. You're and I immediately built myself like six more grenades. And uh-huh. I got out of there with no grenades left. So it was just uh, slam back that monster and activate the urinate skill. Uh, okay, I need to stop at urinate skills. And, uh... <laughs> you don't want to realize the gel. You don't want to pee on the communal mushrooms for likes. Oh my god! What a weird game. Um... <laughs> I did notice right. that uh, they don't let you pee when you're hauling your mom's corpse to the incinerator. Oh, it's, do they not? Not allowed. Oh well, that I... is a hell of a sentence. I didn't um... even. I didn't even try that. So, <laughs> all right. Death Stranding, uh, the new Hideo Kojima uh, game, out now. The, the funny thing is, you guys have only been playing for like a day or two, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes once you get deeper into it. But uh, impromptu gaming review aside, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, let's let's move along to uh, talk about anime. I guess. Uh, we're going to... Catch up on a few things and then uh, hit our regularly scheduled episodes here. But uh, I I did want to start by giving an opportunity to shout out to the official end of Pokemon Sun and Moon anime. Yeah, it's over. Yep, it's been like three years or something. 147, 148 episodes of Sun and Moon. It's over uh, just in time for Sword and Shield. Because, of course, yeah, that shit's now a well-oiled machine. Yeah, Honestly. uh, yeah. Ash won the Pokemon League for it the happened. first time since what the Orange League, the yeah, non-canon yeah, right. Orange League. The Orange League. Oh uh, boy, was this was this the best Pokemon anime series? Uh, sure. Why not? Let's go with the S. All the XY stands will uh, really? like straight up just shoot me for saying that. But. I mean, I think it's more that. I, I'm not going to deny the 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 novelty of the Sun and Moon anime. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's just that for a lot of people, I mean, okay. Once I saw some of the the clips of like the fights uh, near the end of that series, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is getting closer back to like what I would want out of out of a Pokemon anime, a competitive but battle also, Pokemon anime. Yes, but I also recognize that I am a nightmare person, and that what I want out of a Pokemon anime is not particularly. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, profitable or would be that popular, but like w- my ideal Pokemon anime would basically just be Gundam Build Fighters, but with Pokemon deep cuts instead of uh-huh. <laughs> Gundam deep cuts. So, <laughs> yeah. So you want uh, the I, Pokemon special manga? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, I will also say that, like, I don't know what it says about the Sun and Moon roster, but I feel like. That has got to be the shittiest fucking team Ash has run <laughs> in that series in years. Like, wow, that team is unoptimized and kind of crappy even by the standards of Ash Ketchum. So you're, what, what you're, was... you, you, you would be at XY, Stan, because you're like, yeah, he's got the Super Greninja and the Gudra and the, the 
Scraggy I mean, his, and his, whatever his, else. His XY team was just very competitive, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say it was, you know, purely an OU, you know, uh, a contender. You know, the choice of Gudra instead of, you know, perhaps Hydreigon or, or Garchomp, of course. But, like, you know, it's it's a viable team. I'm just saying, man, you look at this fucking team. His son of Moon is like what, a, a fucking Rowlet uh-huh. and, like... <laughs> Oh man, G, don't call out Rowlet. No, Rowlet is fine. I'm not going to call anyone out for liking Rowlet. I would just call you out for fielding Rowlet in a competitive battle. Like, <laughs> he had Rowlet, he had Lycanroc, he had Incineroar, Melmetal, and uh, Naganadel, and Pikachu. Is Pikachu always in the team? Of course. I'm of course. Assuming. Of course. Yes. Of course <laughs> I don't know. I never watched Pokemon. Of course Pokemon that fucker anyway. is. Oh, <laughs> okay. Taking up a good slot that could be someone else. <laughs> He's perfectly fine. Look, uh, you can shoot they, 10 million volt Thunderbolt. Look, I, I'm just saying, if they explicitly show a scene where Ash gives his Pikachu, Pikachu Eviolite, and that brings Pikachu up from, like, PU what about tier to, like, UU tier, then, like, it would at least be, like, viable. <laughs> G plays Pokemon to win, apparently. Long story short, I'm the type of nightmare person who is looking at Sword and Shield right now and going, I'm not sure about this one, Chief. <laughs> I'm not Anyways, so sure us- about it because I really liked the format of Sun and Moon, where I think it really benefited from the uh, centralized location and then, and like core cast because it allowed them to do more character centric episodes and sitcom type bullshit um as opposed to here's the new town of the of the day and here's the new character of the day we will never see again right I mean, it I think, seems it seems like that's what they're heading back to right yeah kind of well the new series doesn't seem like it's necessarily ba- well i've only seen the pvs but the vibe i've heard about the new series that it's going to be kind of a pseudo anthology yeah, so or, it seems. Or at least that's how it's being framed. I mean, that show could air, and it could have turned out to just be, oh, Ash going from town to town, same old shit again. But the the vibe it was given off was like, oh, this is going to be like the Ash nostalgia victory tour of sorts, you know? Yeah, like, uh, it, rather, it seems like every episode they're still going to be a new locale, but it's just locales that they've been to previously in which... the, over the course of the show. Because now there's enough cities and shit where they don't have to show up in, like, it's Gliger Town or whatever. Uh, you know, they can right. go to, like, Johto, some town in Johto, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, my hope is that this means they can bring back, like, old buddies, old tra- like, bring back old traveling companions for, like, an episode at a time or whatever. Um, right. Wow, Euro, I didn't know that you were such a Tracy stan. <laughs> Todd Snap, bring back Pokemon Snap 2. <laughs> Look, man, the Wii, the Wii U is dead and buried. We are, we are never going to get the po- the Pokemon Snap sequel we so desperately deserved. Uh-huh. But um, Sun and Moon was really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, I'm sad to see that, that crew go. I got pretty attached to them. Those assholes, <laughs> those <laughs> dumb idiots. Uh, we're, we're, we're no longer going to have Beware saving Team Rocket. Yeah, anymore. that was also fun. Oh, did James leave behind his Pokemon? He again? did. Does James is James just like is James just like the Dark Mirror of Ash? 
of <laughs> like so. he is a genuinely like good and compassionate person who cares for Pokemon, but as a result, that like prevents him from ever achieving his true like potential. Mm-hmm. It's just he happens to work for you know a criminal organization. <laughs> he left a Z he put a Z ring on Marini's head like a little like a little tiara, and now she can keep that who? while they hold down his his Marini. Who the fuck is James? Is Marini? Marini? What Pokemon is that again? Uh, to devolves ter- Toxapex. Oh, Toxapex. Yes, Toxapex. That's the one I remember. Pre-evolved yes. Toxapex. Who the fuck cares about something that isn't? Ah, God, I could rant about fucking Toxapex and how badly that thing centralized the Sun and Moon meta. But... <laughs> yeah, Team Rocket had you know Toxapex and Mimikyu and Beware. So. Fairly meta team, actually, and all, all, all said and done. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, pour, pour one out for Sun and Moon, and yeah. we'll, and we'll, we'll fire up the Pokemon discourse again. The there's, there's like, there's, there's like no break, right? Uh, there's like two weeks or something, like okay. one or two weeks. So, is is the new Pokemon show actually called Pokemon Sword and Shield? It's just like called Pokemon. It's just called Pocket Monsters. Oh, people have been saying people people have been calling it like the new series or like Pokemon Pokemon twenty nineteen. That's not pulling, helpful. It's not. They're pulling. Uh, they're pulling that that move. It's where... the same logo as the recent movies, which have been in their separate continuity. So there's there's still some question as to whether it's in the old anime continuity or the new movie continuity. Although oh, no. Sun, and, now, Sun and Moon ends with Ash being like, I'm going to travel the world. So. I was not aware that continuity was such a major <laughs> component of the Pokemon TV well, franchise. But Miss Team Rock are important. That's all I got. Who? Uh, I believe that reboot movie replaced them with the very likable new characters. Um, I can't even do this bit because I don't remember their names. I don't Pigs, either. Yeah, um, didn't work out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right. I hope it's good. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes in a couple weeks. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, talking about adaptations that uh, yeah went from so... like very interesting and talented and <laughs> full of like aesthetic uh, novelty to Ouch. their oh much uh, less impressive sequels. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I've been building up I've been building up some some words to say about. Um, Grand Blue Fantasy season two. We didn't talk about it last time, but uh, this this past week we had the, in the two episodes that we got, we we wrapped up the first story arc, and uh, we had like a bit of a bonus episode, which we'll get to in a minute. But the first story arc, um, was probably like if I had a favorite part of the story, it was probably my favorite part of the story. Or at least it's one I I thought would be cool to see animated because there's a lot of cool magic sword fights. Um, it's basically they go. Uh, Catalina goes home and has to confront her uh, yandere girlfriend uh, named Vera, and uh, they end up fighting a lot and whatnot. And there's some. It's a pretty. It's actually a pretty decent story because like Catalina basically screwed her over and made and like made her take over as like the governor of the island or something even though she didn't want to and it's i I won't get into the details but point is i wanted to see all the cool magic sword fights animated and i remember watching in season one thinking hey this show looks great if they ever get to the vera arc it's going to be really cool to see all those 
sword fights animated and we got to the Vera arc and unfortunately this is season two with the <laughs> mm. the new mappa staff and mm. uh yeah they did not uh not do a great job with it <laughs> and i was pretty disappointed um i mean to be fair at this point i kind of saw it coming of course because you know we, we had a couple episodes to ramp up and realize oh this is not the same level of quality but um right I was pretty disappointed just to see that, you know, I was like, I was hoping at least, you know, maybe they'll ramp up their ramp up their production a bit um, for the, for the big fights and everything. And now not, not, not so much. Um, that That is unfortunate. I think because I mean, let's be real. You're talking about like story stuff in grand blue and I, over here as somebody who played like <laughs> a few hours of that game. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever be able to convince me to watch Gray and Blue on the mer- anime on the merits of its story, but on the merits of cool sword fight, like I could see myself like investing for that. And so to hear that they did not nail it, and they also did not nail it in at least as you describe, it sounds like a fairly I don't know is pivotal the right word or is important the right word uh, notable moments in yeah in, in the notable series. is a good word. It, it was a, it was a pretty big part of the story um because like uh the 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 first parts because i don't i don't know how far you ever got in the story g but like the first parts are very standard jrpg let's fight the four elemental fiends type of thing yeah (laughs) so they they wrap they wrap that all up in season one and then so season two has what i think are the two were were my two favorite arcs which are which is one with catalina going home and this one the vera arc and then they're going to be going into the black knight arc which ah with romy park yeah, I, I guess I guess I just like cool ladies in big armor, but sure, uh, fair, fair, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I, I I'm not getting my hopes up on the Black Knight part either because uh, they're already she's already become a joke because in season two uh, she's entirely CG animated because oh, for, for people who for people who don't know what we're talking about she's she's like an entirely like this massive like elaborate plate armor she looks like a judge yeah, from final fantasy 12 yes, basically. yes I assume like, this is not on the same level as like how they looked in garo not from what i've seen so far right because no. it's like if, it, if 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 the black knight looks like something straight at garo that's like that's like acceptable you know like the garo armors look pretty good for cg but if it's like just straight up like bad super like incongruous cg that just sticks yeah, out it, in every it's, scene it's video game cutscene oh, cg boy um, and uh you know, yeah, that's that's a shame. I mean, because, like, again, not the biggest gray and blue fan in the world, but I really do like a lot of its art. And the Black Knight was a uh, is a cool design. Like I said, it's a fi- it looks like a Final Fantasy twelve judge, and like those are cool looking motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. So, not not that my hopes were that high at this point, anyway. But you know, I'm not expecting things to improve much going into the the second half here. Well, Jill, um, at least you'll be able to. Uh, You'll be able to remake all of these epic moments from the Grand Blue <laughs> series when you pick up uh, Grand Blue Versus. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Black Knight's not one on the roster yet. So. I think that's weird. I've, I'm surprised she's not on the roster. I thought, I thought she'd thought be. No, they added. Um, I don't know how to say the guy's it's name. Who Black almost, Knight. Who almost looks exactly like her. Uh, uh, okay. a, <laughs> Whoops. It, yeah. So I, I don't think she's going to make it because she would lo- pr- practically be the same character as the guy that they added in. But um, 
anyway, I would have left my disappointment there, except for the <laughs> the episode they decided to, that Crunchyroll decided to put up this week was they dug up the um, the Halloween special episode that came out with season one, which um, means it was done by the production team for season one. <laughs> you could immediately tell the difference. Um, and just as for a little context. With, with Grand Blue Fantasy, the, the main character in the game is kind of like unnamed and you can pick a male or female character, you know, whichever. And you can you can actually swap back and forth whenever you want. But for the for the for the anime, they chose to use the, the male main character. But when they did the bonus episodes, they they swapped over to the female character because, of course, you know, when you're going to do the beach episode and the Halloween episode, you have to go to the female character. Right. Of course. But, um, those are just the rules. I don't make them. But uh yeah, so so they swap back to the female main character for the Halloween episode. And like not only could you immediately tell the animation quality was so much better, but just like I feel like the season 1 staff even like cuz it's 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 literally like completely like it's different writers and everything. Like they just like understand the what like the appeal of Grand Blue better and like they 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 work in like the the fan references so much better like the like I feel like a lot of adaptations would be like so to give you an example in the Halloween episode the the main character rather than like dressing up in a Halloween costume literally just switches to warlock job class which looks vaguely like a well she's like wearing a witch hat and it's like purple and vaguely Halloweenish Halloween shit put on my yeah. robe and wizard hat <laughs> but but I feel like I feel like in a um in in some other adaptations they would have been they would have been like oh i'm going to switch to warlock job class cuz look at this cute hat or whatever but no they don't say anything about it but but just as a fan of the game so like if you didn't know the game you wouldn't know any better but for people who play the game it's like a shout out to them like that that right. kind of like that's the good kind of reference i mean like, I like that, that is kind of stuff. that is something we talk about with like good adaptations is that like you can tell that the people working on them genuinely appreciate uh the franchise Right. I mean, Jell, everything you're saying tells me that now you understand how Eero and I feel oh boy. about Gundam Build Fighters, <laughs> the other <laughs> franchise with the GBF as its acronym, and uh, the difference between the original and everything that came after it. Where, where the original staff understood the charm of their series, and then everyone afterwards does not? Yes, yeah. yes, where the original staff made this really interesting thing, and then they all immediately left after they completed the first project, because I guess they felt that they had done the job they had set out to do, and that surely they wouldn't need any more sequels after that. <laughs> oh, is, this, is that how it feels? Because I, I, don't, I don't like it. It's but, not a um... good feeling. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, speaking and of, and even even the robots aren't that cool anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But my point was, like, even in the even in the the like silly bonus Halloween episode, they managed to make it like more charming and fun than the past five episodes of season two combined, and that just like was rubbing salt in the wound uh, of you know, hey, this is this is this is what you could have had. Sorry. Yeah. You hate Thanks, to see it happen to an adaptation you like. Thanks, Mappa. Uh, Hero, were you about to say something? Well, I was. It's a good way to segue into the other gotcha show that doesn't understand the appeal of the franchise. <laughs> uh, or maybe they do, and I'm just out of touch with the yeah. modern appeal of the franchise. So apparently, you know, maybe uh, the conspiracy theory here is that 
Grand Blue Season 2 looks bad because all the gotcha anime money went to Fate Grand Order. Uh, which yeah, say the whole title, Joel. I, I, I don't know what it is. You, you can't expect me to remember that whole thing. You know, Fate Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front, Babylonia. Okay, Hell there yeah. you go. Um, yeah, so... The last season, Lord this... Alamoa, the second, Case Files, Rail Zeppelin, Grace Note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you remember, the, remember them all, but um, in the past... Since since we last talked about it, there was a uh, <laughs> there was one particular fight that caught everybody's attention. Like how did how how did you describe Tyga. it, Iro? Uh, the... uh, yeah. So Taiga, the the servant who uh, is t- just Taiga from Face Day Night uh, in a Jaguar onesie. Uh, Taiga, I know that lady beats up Mash and uh, the other character who spoilers is little girl medusa uh just beats them up for like a minute straight and on one hand yay taiga's here on the other hand the context of what's going on like still manages to drain all of my enthusiasm <laughs> for taiga dark times when even taiga cannot save a fake uh, spinoff. And it, it, it was very well animated. It though. was. It's true. Yeah. They, yeah. they. I know we complained about episode one, how it didn't look that great, uh, but I am confident saying they've cranked that back up since episode one. Uh, just the story and every characters and everything, I still just... I still just don't care about any of the uh, characters or the story or anything. What... What what kind of got me with that is the what is it is it Jaguar Man officially the, uh-huh. <laughs> like the Jaguar Man character design is like Carnival Phantasm level of silliness. Yes, it's but like literally them as part of like very seriously po faced as part of the plot. Right, because right. the problem with like that is like my understanding based on like you know the two episodes of Fate Go that I watched is that. That is a fate spinoff that takes itself very seriously. Like it demands that you take it seriously. You know that don't you understand the, the these singularities and 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 Chaldeas are very important. <laughs> you have to understand. And so it's the thing of like I'm not saying Taiga in a Jaguar onesie would work in like. El Meloy the second, but I'm willing to bet El Meloy the second could find a way to sell it better. <laughs> sure, right. This is just like we've showed up at this location, and here's Taiga. You know when, and, and like when you here's see the, the design, Jaguar like, man, it's it's literally like she looks like she's like a like a theme park mascot, or right? Something. Yeah, like it's, like, it's does not match anything right, that's going like, on in the series whatsoever. This is, like this is not this is not Taiga wearing like a sexy Jaguar outfit <laughs> with like vague Aztec like you know decoration. This is literally her in like yeah a theme park mascot outfit and I don't know, it's like it's the thing that works as a joke in a gotcha as a one off joke in a gotcha game, but like putting that into the anime itself just like really reminds you, oh right, like this franchise is ridiculous, but this anime expects us to just Nod and accept it all, like <laughs> on its face. Uh, that fight did look good. <laughs> it looked yeah. good, so maybe it will at least get some cool-looking fights or something. I don't know. I I'm guess. really, I'm really grasping for straws here on positives, but give that money to Grand Blue, you cowards. Um, make Carnival Phantasm season four, and, and make and make another Carnival Phantasm. 
FGO edition. I would watch that. You like, look, I get you got to You got to do FGO, but I mean, done, we've said it a minute. We've said it many times. We don't have to rehash it. You could have done that in a fun way. Yes. But, um. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get out of a uh, gotcha hell here and move along. Um, you guys want to give a quick shout out to No Guns Life? Because that's still trucking. Yeah, shout out to No Guns Life, I guess. Yeah. Hey, that that show. Look again. Not we're not we're not going to say too much about it because frankly, the last couple of episodes are pretty similar in tone to what this show has always continues to be. Um, it is an episodic neo noir action series about a man with a pistol for a head, and he fights crime, and he smokes, and he broods a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, hard boiled. Yes, he's very hard boiled. You know, he can't handle all this mushy stuff you know you know do you know you know ladies and booze just get in the way of solving crimes or something let me go smoke a cigarette for like the eighth time in this episode <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it continues to be that and like i wouldn't you know it's a little bit similar to like the vinland saga discourse of like if you're on that train then you kind of already know what it's doing and yeah, there's not really a huge need to bring it up every week. It's, there's no uh, big plot reversals or drama bombs <laughs> or anything like that to talk to cover. Really, it's no, uh, no. It's doing its doing its thing, right? Speaking of Vinland Saga, don't need to bring it up this week, but I will say that next podcast, by the next podcast, there are, will have been some episodes which I think uh, we will definitely need to talk about. But we'll save mm. that for right. down the line, right? So shout out to No Guns Life and Vinland Saga continuing to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So now that we're uh, we're caught up a bit here, let's get into uh, the shows we've been covering regularly here, starting with Stars Align. And before we get to the episodes, do you want to just mention they – did apparently resolve the dance controversy with the ending uh, from what I understand the, well, okay. So the stars align anime Twitter put out an apology saying they did not, uh, I forget exactly respect the copyright laws or something like that or whatever. And that they're working with the, the dancers that they stole the choreography from. And uh, I believe the dancers were also added to the credits at the end. Um, I don't, as of from what I could, from what I researched, I didn't see any response from the dancers other than they retweeted the the tweet. Sure. So I'm assuming that is tacit approval. I mean, and I don't know if they actually got paid. I would hope they did, but who knows? Cynically, this is what I was talking about in the last podcast. Like. <sighs> You know, just like from that like cold like corporate standpoint, realistically, all the anime staff had to do was contact these people and say, "Hey, we'll credit you like somewhere in the title sequence," mm-hmm. and in all likelihood, that's that would be good enough for these dancers, right? But uh, I get, I guess it worked out okay then. Like, I mean, I don't the know... sequence is still in the show, so I, I assume it worked out. I mean, for all parties for involved, worse, I, yeah. I, I'm hoping that they were compensated more than just getting a credit. But of course, knows. of course, like, look, as a 
as a freelance concept artist, believe me, I, I, I strongly believe in the ideal that motherfuckers should get paid for their work. And I hope they do. I just, I, I am too jaded to think that <laughs> it worked out that perfectly. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. But we we don't know. So we can't really say for sure. But right. it, at least it looks like they've come up with some kind of resolution pretty quickly after the story broke anyway. We would prefer it to it not happen at all. It doesn't necess- it doesn't excuse the fact that the, you know, the whoever at on the on the anime staff chose to do this in the first place and didn't do anything until they got caught. But you know, once that happened, I guess this was probably one the best case scenario that they just get it resolved quickly. So, yeah. Um anyway, let's talk about so we had episode 4 and 5 since last time, which let me just shoot a couple angry words at Funimation for screwing up the subs on episode four <laughs> and not fixing them for four days. But yeah, that's pretty bad considering that's like a service you pay for. Right. So, yeah. And I understand it was like, they probably didn't want to have probably couldn't fix it. Maybe they couldn't fix it over the weekend or something, but it came out on Thursday. So there was like two business days to fix it beforehand. But anyway, it did eventually get fixed. So whatever, but you know, thanks Funimation. <laughs> um, so episode four was uh, a lot more average sports anime. Uh, we had the i i still i still i'm still I still want to support my theory that Maki has played tennis before because this this whole episode he was like drawing up teams for everybody and knew exactly who everybody yeah. had. To, had to be who should be paired together. And I, I know I'm wrong, but like, I, I wish, I wish that I were right because that then that would make sense. Otherwise it's just, a, it's a, just obnoxious. And it he's gets like, more obnoxious he's like weirdly episode. competent. Yeah. It's like, I don't. Okay. So again, it's, it's one thing to have like the natural gift for playing tennis, which yes. is still a stretch, but now you're like to the point where you can assess other people's abilities and like pair them together and, know the strategies like, and everything. It's, and... it's not only that, but it, it, like, because of the inherent premise of the series, which is, like, team of, like, incompetent misfits band together to, like, get their shit together, like, Maki swooping in and, like, radically improving the team's prospects... In one day. Like, it, the... it not... Well, <laughs> the thing is that, like, not only is that, like, I mean, you know, it's... I shouldn't be complaining about something being unrealistic in a sports anime, but it, but even if you ignore that, uh, complaint, it only serves to make the people who are already on that team even like more incompetent. Like it makes, it makes Toma, it makes the vice president guy, like, like it makes the, it makes the few members of that team who actually did care before Maki showed up seem even like, I don't know, more stupid. Like the fact that they, they could not figure this out themselves. Right. right. Like, and yeah, I think I think the implication is everyone was kind of leaning on like what their preferences and what they're comfortable with. Like I'm I'm friends with this guy, so of course we're going to work together. And I like playing at the net, even though I'm not as even though I probably shouldn't be playing at the net. Right, but I thing. guess what I mean is that like everything we've seen about Toma, especially with like the end of the episode, of episode four, is like this dude is like a win at all costs kind of guy, right? Like he's actually very invested into the sport, and so right. I knew that like he didn't like. You think about like the all the hoops he jumped through to convince Maki to join the team. Like, why didn't he notice this stuff on his own? Right. Why didn't he notice this stuff about his own teammates? And why didn't he like? I mean, 
apparently money is clearly not an issue with Toma. Like, are you telling me he didn't just, like, literally be like, hey, like, I will pay you all, like, fucking 5,000 yen a month just to, like, get your shit together? Like, just to fucking try a little harder? Right. Like, it's it's weird that, like, it took Maki showing up to, like, suddenly revitalize this team. And here's the thing. I don't even necessarily dislike that concept of, like, oh, the outsider to the team realizes, like, the toxic qualities of the old status quo. That is actually a thing that's been done well in other sports anime in the past. I think right. the issue with it is that, like, usually that thing is done by, like, a coach-type character who is, like, the new element right. of the status quo. Somebody or, that knows the sport or whatever yeah. activity that we're... Or even if they don't know the sport, it is, like, implied or, like, shown in, like, their traits and talents in other areas that they are good at this kind of thing like if we had had scenes where maki was shown in the past to be a good people person or negotiator or analyst and it's like oh yeah like back in like middle school i put together the blah blah you know i don't know whatever right. activity in school like i'm i'm good at like figuring out what what people are good at right. then it it's not as unbelievable that he just waltzes into the sport he supposedly never played before and is just like Nah, I see it. Like, I could fix this. It, it's, it's... Yeah, because they, and they did that with his, like, physical abilities, because they implied, oh, he's got, like, great reflexes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, but... like, the physical aspect of it, I'm, I don't mind as much. And then, I don't know if they're starting to get into, like, this weird, like, subtext of, like, oh, Maki's so good at all this, because, like, oh, life was hard for him. He has to be competent. Like, oh, because he was abused as a child. He... He had to become hyper competent or something, and I don't know Ooh, how I feel about that's dangerous territory. I don't know how I feel about that subtext, to be honest. And um, yeah, I, I still believe like if they if he just revealed that I used to play tennis or I, I I used to watch tennis or whatever at some point, then it would all make sense to me. But right now, I don't see that happening, yeah. and it's it's just it it makes the the sports part of this right. like really. Meh. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. Even the like, so I'm of two minds about the character stuff, like the, the character drama in these two episodes, because I think some of it is pretty good, but also some of it less so. Like, yeah. So, like let, Toma confront. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say let, let's let's kind of transition into because like in in the back half of episode four, we finally revisit the the Maki's dad stuff, right? Yeah. Where, uh, you know, his dad shows up again to get the money. He finds out he's playing tennis, breaks his racket, all that stuff. And, you know, he's like, it's so that, that, that shit is so fucking sports anime. Like, yeah. it's, it's like the, the abusive, like brother, father figure, whatever, the, semi, right, whatever the bully, bully character, like, right. Breaking the racket or like <laughs> throwing the, the boxing gloves in the trash can or whatever. Right. <laughs> Um, it's a convenient way to, uh, make that seep into the, seep into the, the, uh, the, the, the person's other life and have yes. other people take notice that something's wrong. Right. Yeah. But, uh, which, so that, again, that kind of bleeds into episode five, which episode five kind of sidelines the sports stuff a little bit and, you know, well, it doesn't, with... it doesn't in some weird ways. And that's kind of, I mean. I'll, I, maybe I'll bring it up later. I'll, I'll let you go yeah. first. It, it, it kind of loops back around toward the end, but for a bit, like so, like in the uh, like like in the beginning of the episode, like they, they, it shows them going to practice. I think I almost made this exact same reference last episode. It like shows them go to practice, and then they just like 
cut away back to them in the locker room again without actually getting into all the practice stuff and just like stay focused on the, you know, the quote unquote drama, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so, so five kind of, I, I, there was a, there was a lot I liked about episode five. And I think G, we were kind of saying that particularly, I liked how, um, and in some ways maybe Maki's like super, uh, competence, whatever, kind of i i would still prefer they didn't go that route but in some ways it kind of supported uh or or kind of added impact to when he does decide to f- to open up and show his vulnerability to toma yeah um because he does you know because toma catches on because the racket thing because now maki has to find a racket and uh you know, I, I thought it was going to they were going to drag it out. And I appreciated that Maki decided to just be honest and yeah. explain the situation. And it shows that how it shows like they form a bond and we see them kind of palling around more in the rest of the episode. Yes. Um, in, a, in a very like like whoever's writing that part of the story and then those kind of those elements. I don't know if it's all the same person or what, but uh they're they're doing a good job with that stuff you know depicting their friendship and you know again i just appreciate that it drag that part out more and and just you know had them open up right away yeah. on it no no i i think that i think the the core of maki and tomba's friendship i think is actually pretty strong i i do like that part i think where some of it maybe fell apart for me is more of a personal thing of how toma decides to deal with Maki's dad, like the very like, oh, like maybe I mean here's the thing. Maybe they will actually do what I hope they do and like examine and criticize Toma's approach, which is like Toma's approach. This entire show to conflict resolution has been throw money at it, right? Like, and I think that, like you know, quote unquote, realistically again, but like I think Toma eventually needs to come to the the reality check that like for people like Maki's dad. Throwing money at them does not work. Throwing money at a person like that just encourages them. You know, right? That's like right. Like maybe again, it's because of my background watching like more classic sports anime. But like when you got a character like Maki's dad in the story, do you know how you solve that shit? You throw your cuffs up. All right, like you you start beating motherfuckers. You know you. <laughs> Yeah, you get into a fist fight and you beat that motherfucker within an inch of his goddamn life. And... You gotta wipe that smug face, <laughs> smug look off his face. Right, but, uh... like I was like, I was like waiting for Toba to just fucking like when when Maki's dad pick, bent down and pick up the bills. I was like waiting for Toma to just fucking like kick that motherfucker in the head, like while he was bent over, and it never came. And I was a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think with that part, I. You know, I, 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 I think to me it came off as this is the solution that this character that we've established would have come up with for the problem. And I don't know for sure, like you're saying, whether the show is going to paint that as the right or wrong decision. I think it's going to show as the wrong decision because it didn't solve – like I think it's pretty clear it didn't solve the problem. Right. Because because his dad doesn't care. He's like, all right, well, I'm taking this money and I'll be back later, right? He's gonna he's gonna come back. Like, yeah, and then the also problem. like, let's not forget the very obvious like dog whistling threat of "Tell me your full name." I bet your family yeah, right, really yes. likes you. Like, yeah, obviously, right. that's gonna play out later. Right. So so it seemed like to me it seemed like this is because the, these are these are middle school kids. They're supposed to be like like 13 at most or something, right? Like 13 or 14 at most. Uh, like 
you know, that seems like the type of solution that a, you know, 13, 14 year old kid with that type of personality or whatever would have come up with um, and would not have the, you know, life experience or savvy to realize you should not have told him your name. Right. Um, So, right. That's obviously so right. That's obviously going to be a problem. And it's going to continue to be a problem, and the problem yeah. is solved. So I think I don't think they're trying to say that that was necessarily the right thing for Atoma to do. Sure, yeah, I, I would agree. I guess it's just that 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 seed itself. I, it's good at playing up the like very uncomfortable aspects of like dealing with an abuser, and so I think that overall I do like that scene. I think I just some of the very specifics of it didn't really rub me the right way, but right. I think where my issues with some of the character drama really comes to a head with this episode is. We are back on the, like, I don't know, we are back on this weird train of this show where, like, Toma is playing, like, impromptu, like, behavioral therapist for members of his team. <laughs> like, yeah. we have Vice President Guy, like, I, I feel bad I don't remember his name, but, like... Where he just kind of, like, lays out his, like, it's his turn to lay out his tragic backstory. And I was just, like, like, this is what, this is the thing I was worried about. This is the thing I mentioned, like, last podcast when they talked about, like, the kid with, like, the burns on his back. was, like, I really hope they do not just do the freaking, like, this is not quite child abuse, but you know what I mean when I mean, like, tragic backstory carousel of these characters of just like oh this week it's my turn to talk about my difficult childhood and right well yeah this did not work for me like i I think i I think my bigger problem with and i'll i'll just lump in this whole back half of the episode it felt very rushed to me like so like we had (laughs) because they kind of they kind of found a stopping point with the, with the dad stuff. And we kind of saw, you know, uh, Toma and Maki palling around for a bit. And they just did do a hard cut over to the, uh, the student council president and her rich life. And her right. Yes. Her weird for no reason too. Yeah. Like yeah. no reason whatsoever. Let's, let's jump in in her life and what's yeah. going on with her. Yeah. Even the directing there was really weird. Like just the cuts and stuff. That yeah. Even happening. though we've spent no time with her whatsoever, we barely know who she is other than the student council president. And, and let's dive into her life for a minute and then let's dive back out and randomly let's let's jump in and you know dive into the the vice president stuff which even that like just seemed to prompt out of nowhere where he decided to open up to toma yeah you know you know i don't want to i don't want to judge what is you know what people are going through or whatever but it, it seemed like he just kind of that kind of got sparked out of nowhere where he decided to just dump everything out right you know, everything like, out on the on the table it, it it just felt so contrived like here's the thing you know uh, a, a secret like or you know a quote unquote a secret like that about your personal life i understand if you want to keep that under wraps but the way it re- it is revealed feels a little too like like so they make it clear that toma and the vice president have been childhood friends right so like they i guess supposedly have a personal closeness that toma doesn't necessarily have with anybody else on the team and so, like, that is the believable vector in which this character w- would reveal his backstory. Right. But the way it comes out is just, like, it, it very much is, like, they. it is the, just the, like, by the way, I bet you didn't know this about me. And Yeah. 
There was no there was no warm up to all that. And it, like you're right. Like it logically makes sense that they're they're friends and maybe he's feeling a little threatened by Maki now palling around. He's with definitely him. feeling threatened by so Maki. That, sure, like, that makes sense, but there's been no like build up to that or anything. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to get to this guy. And then let's check off the next character on and, the list that And not only that, but like the thing that I mean, okay, we will see if this plot is resolved in the long run, but the way they resolve it in the short run, in the short term, doesn't really sit right with me where it's just like oh Thomas solves his friend's issues about like his sense of like belonging by just shouting i appreciate you at him and it's like that's not how that works that's not how it works right like you don't just fix somebody's like you know like deep-seated personal issues about their sense of like belonging and self-worth in the world by being like you know what? No, you're great. And it's not just like the person like, really? Wow, nobody ever told that to me. It's like <laughs> it, Yeah. It's it's like it's like if if all he literally needed to, you know, quote unquote fix all of his problems was just for one person to be like, actually like, I suck. Actually, no, you don't suck. Really? It's <laughs> Yeah, it, it's very it kind of just minimizes the actual problem yeah and it's you know again i don't want to be like i i I don't know it's 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 really weird it's 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 a really weird way to deliver it and i i I was kind of i was kind of hinting to it earlier but like it does almost feel like the show is being written by committee or multiple people or something sometimes to me but um i don't know how many episodes is this show getting i don't know Okay, because I was going to say, if this turns out to be a 13-episode thing, then all of a sudden their weird rushing through all these character subplots might make a little bit more sense. Right, they got to get to everybody, which... Which... I'm always... I, 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 I'm always... A, yeah, a, a it's, it's a one-core show. Ooh, yeah. I might explain. But, well, no, actually, you know what? I almost feel like that doesn't, because now it's time for my weekly ping-pong reference, because ping-pong is also tasked with the heavy task of juggling the, like tragic backstory slash personal issues of like four or five different characters and somehow manages to pull it off. And so I'm always a big supporter of some characters or side characters. We yeah. don't need, we don't need to dive into every little. And, uh, I, and I think some of these characters will stay side characters. You know, I think like during that montage, there's like one or two characters shown where their family life is, seemingly idyllic peaceful and happy right so like i think there are going to be some characters in that show that yeah like I, like i'm fine with the idea because because everybody's got problems nobody has a perfect yes, life yes. so like i'm fine with the idea of everybody having problems to a certain degree it's just when they're all i don't know to the level of like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know some people have worse problems than others i guess they're yeah. not all the same but um yeah I, All right. I don't know. Well, and then the one last complaint I have actually is just, and then the episode veers very much into just generic sports anime territory in the last minute. Yes, where they right. introduced ah oh, the cocky rival from the the other school, and he's like strutting up there and be like ah oh, you guys look weak. I don't want to waste my time playing you, but if coach says so, like the most sports anime i'm gonna punch you all in the face if you lose. It's like <laughs> whoa, where did you like? Here's the thing, right again. As somebody who loves sports anime, that character, it's totally fine for that character to exist in a sports anime. The weird right. aggro dickhead who just comes out of nowhere. Like that's a that's a that's a well-established, like, you know, well-worn trope with sports anime. But in a show like this that is so about like 
how like tender these children are about their personal issues and then this just this dude fucking struts in out of fucking prince of tennis like it's <laughs> like yeah that I'm, is the I'm, kind, like that is the kind of character gonna, like hit Sorry. a sneak shot or something yeah like 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 you show me a character like that i have expected the next arc will be about be playing the arrogant american team that came from overseas <laughs> that has like a, a, a blonde dude and a black guy or something and it's just yeah <laughs> it's, it's i don't know oh. again it's just i feel like as you said Jill, maybe it's just this show is being written by like more than one person and it, it, it yeah i don't i don't know if i i don't think that's the case from what i was looking but it almost feels like that sometimes or maybe more maybe or, more accurately it's being written by one person and that one person knows their character drama very well but they don't know how to write good sports drama might, and so they're kind of relying on the most basic right building blocks and tropes oh well this is this is what you're supposed to put into sports anime right right let's cover that part of it but yeah i don't know maybe they just don't have the the range to cover the broad ter- amount of territory that they're trying to cover with this show um but uh you know i again i i i feel like on this podcast we do like almost nothing but complain about the show i i do <laughs> i do think i do think i do i still i still enjoy it i do think it's just like a net like overall net positive and a good show. Yes, I would agree about that. I think that it's just that there wouldn't be as much complaints if, you know, like it was actually bad. Right. Like, I mean, again, right. I, I will bring up real quickly again. I'm still watching the other anime with Sora in the title. And oh, you're like, still the, the basketball one. You're still. Yeah. On and that? like, let me tell you, I could complain. A, if I were to compare that show to stars of the line, I could complain about a lot, but also like, that show is just not shooting for the same heights. It is right. not aiming for the same standard. And as a result, I just, I hold it to a lower standard because I am not expecting as much from it. Right. Whereas, you know, stars align. If people want to put it in the, you know, best anime of the season or even the year category, then it's a higher bar that we got to look at, you know, what it's doing. So, um, so uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I still think it's a net positive, good show. Just there's yeah, there's 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 issues. Well, speaking of anime of the year contenders, who yes. do it all <laughs> and do it flawlessly and yes. do it fabulously. Let's get to B Stars, which is <laughs> coming to Netflix in early 2020. So I, I, we've, yeah. never, we've never watched it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so B stars. Uh, oh God, this show is so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's th- th- so good. Thank you, thank you, G, for hyping us on this because I would have, I would have never even given this a second I, work. That without that, right, like, isn't that the sad reality of it? Is like, I, I love this show, and I, I'm so glad you guys are enjoying it. But like, if you really boil down B stars to its like most basic components, you tr- try imagining recommending this to like your co-workers or something like oh it's a show about animal people and sexuality like <laughs> you immediately yeah, would start like, getting nope. <laughs> right the <laughs> weirdest asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. not only not only am i not going to watch this show i'm never talking to you again <laughs> right like there's a reason why i only talk about the show to, like you guys and on this podcast because i know that you guys like will put down your knives long enough put down your pitchforks long enough to give this show a shot but yeah <laughs> All right, so um, we had episode four, which focused on the second performance of the play and in the wake of uh, Lewis getting injured and being unable to uh, to perform 
So we had um, is Bill is his name is the Bill. tiger. Yes. Bill. So we had Bill, Bill the tiger takes the title role, <laughs> and uh, it, it always confuses me because there's a character that's an eagle in in the draw in in the in the story, and uh, I always keep accidentally thinking he's Bill because he's a bird, but it's Bill the bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, and and um. So Lewis Lewis takes the lead of the play and kind of tries to make it his own as, as the you know ferocious carnivore here, and uh, he reveals to we we get a lot we get a lot of interesting world building lore stuff I think oh, in these two yes. episodes. Mm-hmm. But he reveals to Lugosi that to get amped up, he's got a vial of rabbit blood, which is basically the equivalent of drugs. In uh, this particular, does he does he like drink it or does he like huff it or or what? <laughs> I, did, I don't think we, that's clarified, but I, fi- I find it interesting because while it is sort of a like the, e- the the most easy correlation you can make is to, you know, drugs in the real world. Mm-hmm. It has a different context in the world of Beastars. And this is what I love about all these things in Beastars is like, like, there's no, it's there's not just there's no like one to one. Right. It's not no direct one to one allegories, because in this case. Lugosi isn't mad that the guy's doing drugs. He's mad because it's rabbit blood, and and he's thinking about Haru and like the fact that like this isn't just a, a like a plant that's grown somewhere. This is somebody had to be... harvested from a, a person, right? Yeah. So somebody had to be harmed in the making of this this uh, illegal substance. So that that's what sets Lugosi off, and fucking loses it. <laughs> We, oh yeah, yeah. We start y'all, see, y'all were waiting for Lugosi to. Yeah, we were talking about the at some point Lugosi has to snap, and uh, he 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 snaps a bit in this episode. Um, they have him fill in as the villain of the play, which gives the opportunity for him to, you know, stage fight with Bill, but it does not. It turns I, into I, a real fight. I mean, <laughs> you got to realize like how fucking ridiculous this is in the context of like, <laughs> like. All right, so Bill, who was originally playing one of the villains, is now in the star role. So now Lugosi is filling the role Bill had before. And as far as you can tell, Bill is committed to just doing this play as regularly as he can. Like, he is not as good of an actor as Lewis, but he's just right. here to act. And he's Lugosi just fucking walks in on stage ready to throw down like his <laughs> life depends on it. And... <laughs> Uh-huh. Like you just got like, and then once you go back to episode five, and you get to hear more of like Lugosi's internal thought process, you really have to wonder like, what, what were you thinking, Lugosi? Ah, uh, yeah, but um, it, it's it's really good though. Um, yeah, the I you know I have to say once again, the show looks great, and I feel like the the way they animated even the the like the fight scene is taking advantage again of the CG and not like necessarily, you know, you, it's not like necessarily a detriment. Um, and, you know, so that part was cool. Uh, you know, obviously just plot wise, it's very intense because we always see Lugosi as, you know, him bottling up his feelings. And I think this is the first time that we really truly saw him just like, exp- you know, explode. Um, which I'm assuming this will not be the last time, but, uh, <laughs> the, and, uh, eventually of course he's faced with the reality that a wolf is probably not going to beat a tiger in a fight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's basically confirmed with Bill's like, all right, are you done punching me? Like, <laughs> right. If you're done punching me now, I'm going to put a stop to this. Yes. And, uh, you know, it gets broken up by, by Lewis who 
makes a dramatic appearance on the on the stage and yes it's mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a very, lot it's very extra <laughs> that's well what when is lewis not being extra right but um so yeah i i, I was again i like a lot of the world building stuff and how like the context of the fact that they're animals and you know carnivores and all that stuff comes into play and makes it different than just like Iroh said, a one-to-one allegory with our own world. Um, but it's still close enough where you can get like emotionally invested in it. It's, it's such a fine line to walk and they're yeah. doing such a good job of that. But um, things calm down a bit once we get into episode five, uh, uh, which um, we get, uh, <laughs> we, we, we had like a, uh, you know, Lewis chewing out Bill and uh, Lugosi, but then, the press the, shows up. <laughs> once the press shows up, nope. Also, like, all, we're treating Lewis, or we're treating Lugosi like going nuts on Bill and Bill mauling the shit out of Lugosi's back as like, ah, uh, boys will be boys. Schoolyard, you know, just just carnivore things. Shuffle, carnivore know, stuff. Like... Yep. You know, just I mean, that, that's that's what I'm saying. Where whereas, like in the real, in like in our world, that would be like you know, a lot more of a serious thing, but is it supposed to be like in the context of this world? It is just, you know, carnivores being carnivores. I mean, like they don't show it in the anime. I forget if they show it this early in the manga, but like uh, Lugosi's got scars from that fight with Bill, right? Like, remember, like Bill rakes the shit out of his back. Yeah, they mentioned it in the episode, but I don't think they showed it. They're like, how is your back doing or whatever? Yeah, like, right. Like some people are certainly aware of like how uh how serious that fight got. <laughs> right. Um but yeah, we kind of uh switch back around to um Lugosi's crush on Haru, which we officially confirm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um and there there was a there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. I liked um I forget his friend's name, the dog. Jack. Jack. Where Lugosi's like, oh, well, Jack must not know because otherwise he wouldn't be talking to me. And Jack's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> so you were you were really fighting out there, right? But he's still his <laughs> he's still his friend and everything, right? Like, yeah, that, that was kind of nice. I, I have mentioned but, in the past and I will say it's a little bit, you know, just the nature of having to be an adaptation, you know, having to like cut where it is needed. I, I do think it is a little bit of a shame that the thing they have mostly cut from the early chapters is like Lugosi's interactions with the rest of his like canid dorm mates uh right. specifically jack because you, you i think you kind of pick it up in the in the scene in this episode but like jack is like one of the few people lugosi can be like pretty kind open him, with kind of himself yeah yeah as much as lugosi can because he can uh, yes. be himself with himself <laughs> yes but uh the yeah no and i think if they if they were to pick a scene that illustrated their relationship that was a good one to pick. Like if, I, I would if agree. You're, if you're pressed for time and have to pick one, um, right. that was probably a pretty good one to to illustrate their, you know, how they interact. Um, but yeah, we we get a little more of uh, Haru gets a little more screen time. <laughs> we get a she gets a little bit f- more uh, screen time with Lewis. Yes. Oh, right. I almost I almost forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right after we're kind of confirming Legosi's got a thing for Haru here, we we cut to uh, Lewis undressing himself in uh, <laughs> Haru's uh, garden 
shed bedroom thing that apparently I, I think this school has a problem with adult supervision personally. <laughs> yeah, have you, uh, have between you... <laughs> between the play and uh, Haru running a her uh, you know side prostitution ring thing in the garden. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Jesus, I. <laughs> I I feel like uh, you know maybe maybe the the teachers are not really doing their job here, but yeah, um... they haven't really shown a lot of teachers on screen yet uh, in in this show. <laughs> yeah, so that that's going to have some pretty powerful implications in the future, I think. But yeah. at the moment, they're mm. just kind of planting the seed with it. Um. And uh, we, we finally get Lugosi and Haru together again with um, it was kind of a funny scene with Haru sticking up for herself and thinks she's really teaching the the bully girls a lesson when really they're just scared of Lugosi walking down the hallway. Yes. <laughs> I, I do um, like that scene, though, because like, you know, it is definitely like the reminder that like. Look, Haru has a reputation for a reason, but also like she's not going to take shit from, you know, these assholes. <laughs> right. What I found particularly interesting was because we, we we're we're pretty clear on how Lagosi's feeling about Haru at the moment, but we start getting insight to Haru not even really remembering Lagosi. <laughs> like like she remembered who he was, but she couldn't remember that she didn't sleep with him or whatever. And like when they, they go to lunch and uh She's like trying to basically get out of the conversation, <laughs> um, you know. Whether it's, I, I, I guess, I guess it's remains to be seen whether that was just her working with her instinct, like she said, or if she just like actually doesn't want anything to do with him at the moment. But uh, I, I really do like that conversation because it's it feels like. It feels like a very real like portrayal of social anxiety in conversations and it does some really smart stuff with like the framing of the shot. Like Yeah, yes. I really like how the show uses split screen specifically, like I yeah. like you're saying. Cause like if this was a normal or like quote unquote normally with internal monologue type stuff, if it's just like a still frame of that person's face thinking, like we kind of imagine it as time has stopped and they're thinking about this but by doing it split screen with the other person still like moving and doing stuff it kind of highlights how it's super awkward and look yeah. thinking all this stuff and just staring right right when when he's just like thinking all the stuff and staring and uh she's like I forget. She comments something about him just staring and not saying anything. Like staring at her mouth while she eats. Right. Yeah. You pervert. It's it's Uh, like, and like you hear Lugosi's (laughs) internal monologue. Like, you know, he's not being a pervert. You just know he's like so fucking. He's just. (laughs) But from her perspective, he's just like. (laughs) Like, he's just so wound up in his own like brain that. Like he, 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 it's a thing. It's like I said, a very good portrayal of social anxiety because he knows he's being weird. He knows he's supposed to say something, but he can't because his brain like can't keep up and, and the conversation has already moved on and he doesn't like know how to, you know, he doesn't know how to talk like a normal person. And it's really well And I mean, we've, we've all probably been there when you're a teenager, when when you're hanging out with the girl you like and uh, you're, (laughs) stumbling for uh 
like you're thinking of all this cool stuff to say, but like the actual act of saying it is a lot harder to do. Right. Sometimes. Like it's like even that simple stuff is like, I should ask her what's her name. I don't even know her name, but oh, I can't do that. I'm a but wolf. Yeah, now, like, now we're this deep. I can't ask her name now. Right. Right. Like, but we've been talking for like 20 minutes. I can't ask for her name. Like, oh, but is it even weirder if I ask what's her name now? Like, this is, oh, no. It's like, I've totally fucked this up. I don't know what to do. I'll just tell it. I'm just going to stare at her mouth while she eats. Like, or he doesn't even realize he's staring at her mouth. While right. Right. And, uh, that's it. I do like that they also like finally kind of get into a little bit of Haru's internal monologue as well, because as you said, Jell, it kind of gets to this idea that like, right, like, like we know Lagosi is exceedingly awkward, but it's it's good it's good to see that like for Haru as well, this is like an equally weird conversation. Like, R- right? I'm not sure if it goes far as like she wants to like get away from him because if that were the case I don't think she would have walked with him after after the meal but like it is definitely an aspect of like I've never had a conversation this long with a carnivore of this size Mm -hmm. and every like nerve in my body is telling me to run away as fast as I can right it shows like her leg twitching right and like the fact that she's (laughs) She's actually having a physical reaction right and like the fact that she's like you know internally apologizing for it is like is that her recognizing oh is this like like, am I being, like, we- weirdly racist to this wolf because, like, right. my body is telling me to get away from him as fast as possible? Like, am I also being rude as a result? Like, what do I even say to someone like a wolf? <clears throat> I, we have nothing in common. Like, I'm just throwing out every, like, basic platitude I have. Right. And, and yeah, I don't I th- I think it really works. Like, if there was any, like, don't worry, there's going to be lots of awkward Lugosi conversations in the future but I think oh, if there I'm were, sure if there were yeah. any to like so like lusciously direct and and pace in the way they did with this conversation I think this was this was the a, a good one to do it with right yeah they, yeah they, they really did um yeah I, I love when the director doesn't just do the talking heads and really thinks about how to, you know, frame the shots and everything, even though they're just sitting there talking and just adds like a, a whole nother layer to it. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, yeah, just, I really, I really like both of these episodes. The show's continuing to kill it in all categories. <laughs> uh, and, um, I, say I was thrown for a bit of a loop when they all pulled out smartphones to take the paparazzi <laughs> pictures of Lewis. Yeah. I was like, I thought this was like the 1950s or something. Yeah. I, I was, I was thinking this was like, show I mean, obviously this is not the real world, but it, it appeared to be at the technology level of somewhere between like 1930 and 1950. Right. Um, fashion, and, I think, yeah. Like their, their fashion and everything. Yeah. I, like, I, even they're like, um, I feel like even though like their summer uniforms, like they feel they look more modern. Than, uh, or at least a little more modern than their their other ones. I don't think anybody's wearing suspenders anymore, right? It's like, it's but, just uh, like polo shirts. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, I do realize. Oh, right. Like in the early parts of the manga, where you know the, the parts that take place entirely within the confines of the school, mm-hmm. there isn't really anything to indicate that it isn't past like 1960 or something. But right. So I guess. That's they have phones. So. But yes, it is it is modern day. <laughs> Even if it does not look like it in the slightest. 
Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of liked the, <laughs> the... Yeah? Just just like it... I mean, it doesn't really matter, but just for the aesthetic of it, like, I liked the sort of, you know, early, the sort of mid, mid-20th mid century sort of uh, look to it. Well, but... it, the thing I'll say about Beastars is... It's a show that's not afraid to... What's it going to become about cybercrime? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are you trying to say, gee, there are more surprises in store for us? It's a show that's not afraid to explore different venues and perhaps different genre conventions and aesthetics uh, than it initially seems. And that I think the, the the rosy Showa era school setting works perfectly for what B stars is in its current form, but Are they then gonna get robots and go into space. <laughs> God, yeah, I can jack into the beast matrix. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> Black. Oh, mice. I wish I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wish I would. All right. But, uh, so more, more surprises in store. Yes, then. I don't know. Do you guys have any new, <laughs> new things to speculate about or wonder about the uh, now that they've of... revealed the meteor festival uh <laughs> oh, right. oh yeah, yeah no that, i thought yeah I thought like the, another i thought the school play would be like the big romantic climax now i think it's the meteor festival <laughs> so uh, like, yeah i'm not i'm like okay this is where like we might deal with some of the like love triangle stuff going on uh still waiting yeah. for panda boncho of course Still waiting. Yeah, the um, the the meteor festival was another one of those like kind of interesting cultural spins right. for 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 that setting. Dinosaurs that are, as, kind of interesting as the original animal <laughs> or right. whatever, and, and kind of so, kind of looking at them as almost like you know gods and mythology based around them. You know, traditional you know almost religion, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, where the, the meteor turns into like their you know Christmas tree or something like that. I don't know, but <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was just kind of neat world building. But uh, yeah, all right, I'm enjoying it a lot. Good show. I hope somebody watches it when it actually officially releases on Netflix outside of Japan. Sure, they said early. Nice. They said early 2020, which could mean anything. If it does mean January, that's actually really fast turnaround for Netflix, which only pisses me off more because I know they could have done that at any time. Yeah. But, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll get the, I'll get the hype machine going. <laughs> I, I will say, because of that fast turnaround, I wonder if that means Beastars is only <clears throat> getting 13 episodes. It's only a one core because that would be a yeah, bit of a shame that... because that might be the case there is a climax like there's a very sensible climax for this anime if it ends at 26 episodes the episode 13 climax is again i'm not gonna like like get into details but it would be more of a cliffhanger than a proper climax and i think it would be unfortunate because again like if this is a manga and you end there it's like well whatever there's a chapter next week but in the form of an anime if it decides to end at a point i think it's going to Y'all are going to be like, wait, I got to wait six months to a year to the follow up on this. Uh... If we even get a season two, even if we do, right? right. right. Like, there's no, there's no guarantee that's going to be even the case. I have no clue how B Stars is doing. Like, the manga is pretty popular, to which is my understanding, but no clue how the anime is doing. So, I mean, yeah, 
Netflix release only in Japan is probably not going to produce a whole lot of great numbers. Wait for the, like, what the mainstream outlets have to say and, you know. For for a a show that is a very non-traditional type of anime. um, That might give it more mainstream appeal in the West, maybe. Right, but I I don't know if it's going to be helping it in Japan. I mean, maybe the popularity of the manga helps it, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's a good show, though. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on and get to the, to our uh, dessert here. Yes, um, our showstopper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's close things up with our our Legend of Galactic Heroes. Yeah, now D&D we're talking report. about this every week instead of every two weeks. Hell yes. Uh, Look, as 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 the other podcast comes to its graceful finale, why should we not, like a dying star, uh-huh. burn even brighter uh-huh. in our final <laughs> moments? All right, so um, uh, uh, full disclosure, guys, I jumped in and watched these two episodes. Judge me if you like. Just these two episodes, <laughs> w- without uh, without catching. I mean, I know what happens. Yeah, so I not, know. I know. It's it's not like I'm diving in onto like you know, you know series I know nothing about. Is, uh... But I, I wanted. I specifically wanted to see two things. Um, episode eighteen, uh, bloodshed in space. This was the the fight with High Admiral Ovlaser. Yes. Uh, you guys talked. To, you guys talked a bit about it on your other podcast. So I don't know if I want to rehash too much. But we did uh, confirm that uh, Mittermeier is the dual wielder, and yes. Ruinsall has the broadsword. Much. Uh, I I I did not call that one. I thought it would have been the other way around. Um. Uh, you know, it's funny with the, uh, <laughs> you know, we talk about DNT being more dry or whatever. I do feel like this is more ridiculous than than digging a hole than than the OVA. I, I will say that this version of the events is a little bit more Hollywood. I, I think that is like maybe a, a one one way you could. I mean, the fact that they they have like these orna- these like ornate swords instead of you know big axes, which seem more practical for fighting in power armor. Yeah, and, I like... think it is a shame that they switched out the axes for swords. Like, I think that so much of the fun of Galactic Heroes was just like these dudes in power armor with axes running around on <laughs> spaceships, and so to replace them with swords makes it almost feel a little bit more traditional. Uh, but I will say, like, for like. A thirty-second mech fight or whatever, like it, it was pretty cool. It was yeah, a good fight. it was pretty cool. Like the one dude has a fucking shuriken, like a glaive, right, or like something, a glaive, you know? yeah, like, just tossing that thing like a discus. Like <laughs> it's so like you know and you also, still had the dude yeah. with like the crossbow, you know, like like the, a, a crossbow, like a, a, a mech, like a dude in a mech power a, armor a wielding one was like an. Uh, yeah, like an automatic crossbow is just so goddamn silly. Yeah, but I I really did like it. Uh, that part of it, I think the conclusion to the Ovalisser fight, I actually did not care for as much because, like, I don't even know what silly, sort of weird coolant or whatever that was supposed to be. Right, because like as silly as it is in the original OVA that they trap Ovalisser by literally just digging a hole, <laughs> like. At least it is like it is a simple enough solution to a problem that you understand the logistics of it. Like, right. oh, okay, while Roythal and uh, 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 Mittermeier were holding off Ovalister, like some dudes in the back were like, you know, got some shovels and like dug a hole. Even though you'd have to ask, why is there dirt on a space station? But, yeah, <laughs> let's not ask too many questions. But, um, yeah. but but then with the DNT version, where they they lure him into this fucking like Resident Evil Two boss arena coolant room. And then, like, collapse the floor into, like, this, like, 
like this fucking coolant resin that like hardens upon impact or some shit and like it's much more sci-fi it's much more visually flashy but because it's equally as poorly explained like it just leads to more <laughs> questions because again hole in the ground you understand it's like oh good they remember guy to bring... gets stuck in hole we win right, right. they like fucking <laughs> somebody like reinhard remembered to tell like fucking roy those flagship by the way don't forget like a dozen shovels like we're like apparently like you know whatever like you could ask wow like really good thinking on their part to remember to bring <laughs> shovels on this expedition in space but you know it works whereas like this is like Wait, how did they like? How did they know this? Li- like, this is this is not their ship. They're boarding the enemy ship. How did they know like the liquid would harden like right, that? Like, how did they try to used, collapse the panels? Could use just like a thirty second scene of lure him to the you know the the coolant room or whatever of like you know right just something yeah it, it was yeah. more raised more questions than it needed to raise on that I guess but uh, the end result was pretty much the same though yes yes I mean. Yeah, the basic plot points of that episode basically play out the same way, I think, right? Like, you have you have Reinhard being like, oh, I'm going to be the, the dainty, impersonal ruler of this battle. And then Oblitzer comes on screen and is like, I'm going to fuck your shit up, and then I'm going to fuck your sister. <laughs> and, like, of course, that's when, like, Reinhard goes off with a pop-off, and he's like... I take and it back. We, like, bring that motherfucker alive. Like, I mean, have we really seen DNT Reinhard uh, get angry that often? Like, not really. The only time he gets maybe close to that angry is when he's angry at Bittenfield for fucking up Amletzer so badly. <laughs> um, yeah, but so. yeah, I, I'd say like you know, it's the thing I want to get into here real quick though is like the the worry I have with like DNT, at least with Reinhardt's side of it, is that we are. You know, we are we are careening a hundred miles per hour into the 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 stuff with Kirky Eyes and Reinhard, and I just feel like like you know you've only watched these two episodes, Jill, but like you know as Eero can attest, they haven't they have not laid yeah. down the groundwork of Kirky Eyes's relationship with Reinhard. They have not right. in the way the original OVA did. Like there is no Lady Benamunde episode. There is no. Reinhardt gets bombed at the ball episode. You know, oh, there is no there's no Reinhardt so kicks good. a kid in the nuts God, episode. There is no there is wild. no there's no Reinhardt crashes a party as a twelve year old and pulls out a gun on the party goers episode. There is no Kirk Eyes and some of that, Reinhardt. Like there was some of them as kids, like way early on. But... It's gonna right, it's gonna make the upcoming events I don't wanna spoil anything, but I mean the, people the upcoming I'm events sure people are... can fucking infer by now. <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely no, 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 no. I, I think we should definitely do our best to keep it as vague as possible. But right. yeah, it's going to make the upcoming events not feel as impactful without them doing their due diligence ahead yeah, of time. Like, right. like a large part of the impact of what's coming up is Kirky Eyes and Reinhardt's relationship with each other, and they have not done a good job establishing the groundwork of that. And it's one of those things of like, I begin to wonder about DNT. Is that maybe the reason it doesn't work for some people? Is that I think the Yang and the FPA stuff still works because, like, comparable to the original OVA, Yang is getting basically the same amount of screen time he always had. But by watching DNT, you are beginning to realize, oh, wow, actually, Reinhardt got a disproportionate amount of screen time in the original OVA that he is not quite getting in DNT. And without that, his character cannot carry it as effectively. Right. 
it, right. It's a lot easier to see Young at face value and know what who he is. Whereas Reinhardt, we need to dig deeper because he's always putting on his you know facade or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So Speaking I Young. <laughs> oh well, yeah. We 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 want to go to the next. Uh, we can get into the next episode. Unless you had any last thoughts about. Uh... Uh, no, 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 we're, we're we're good. Okay. So yeah, so episode nineteen, which was the, the you know the battle of Doria Star Zone, I didn't really care too much about the actual battle because the Civil War stuff is you know. Whatever. Oh, whatever. It gave but, us a chance to hang out with Admiral the best, <laughs> right? With with the FBA equivalent of Bittenfield, uh, what is his name? Like Commander Nguyen Van Hughes. Just uh, his his impeccable strategy of punch directly into the middle of the enemy formation and then just fire in every direction. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know what happened to that dude in the OVA. It's been so long. I don't know if he's even still alive. Like, I'm not sure. We, we haven't seen him in so long. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, as you said, Joe, like that that battle is maybe not as interesting because it is just Young dunking on people who are like way below his pay grade. Like you know, you begin to realize, oh, the the, the really good Young fights are the ones against people who can like at least kind of put up a fight against him. But against the people who are completely outclassed, it, mm-hmm. it. I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I feel that I feel I feel the way about Yang's fight in this episode as I feel about like in a good shonen anime when a character has like really trained and improved a lot, and they just now, fucking now it's, stomp. now it's their time to show off all their cool new abilities. yeah, and they just stomp the shit out of like the obligatory opponent who has been brought to the sacrificial altar. And <laughs> that is what happens to the 11th fleet in this episode. Yeah. And um, we also get some stuff with the like Rosen Ritter putting down uh, rebels on the ground, which brings up to me that like, so when we got in the bloodshed and spice episode, the empire is still in their crazy, like mech power suits. They're like, now it's not even power. It's the mechs, right? Yeah, but the Rosen Ritter, who in the OVA were also in power armor, roughly equivalent. Now they're just like tactical modern military dudes. They look like SWAT dudes or something, you right? Know? It's and so I'm like, how are they gonna be the premier hand to hand combat specialists against these mechs? Right, because like, like what are they, what are these dudes with tack vests and guns because gonna do I... against power mechs? Did, did they did they have did the because I remember it was a while before we saw the FPA power armor. Did they ha- did they bust it out at that point, or did they wait till later? I think because I do remember the scene with uh, Shen Cop coming back with his Starbucks and lipstick all over him. <laughs> yeah, like, I, all over him. But right, I don't like, remember those are, if he was those in are the detail, or not. Right, those are the details I remember from the OVA, but I don't remember what he was wearing at the time. Um, yeah, but like, but we do see the Rose River with power armor. Yes, you know, we have like, right, I think, right. Eventually, we do. Yes, I I'm wondering if they're going to break it out later. Yeah, because I think what Ira's bringing up is like, for better or worse, in the original Galactic Heroes OVAs, if there is like one truly consistent constant in the Galactic Heroes universe, <laughs> it is that the Rose and Ritter are the uncontested hand-to-hand combatants of the entire galaxy. Like. Right. Nobody can match them in an equal fight, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the only person in the entire Empire that could give anyone in the Rosen Ritter a run for their money in hand-to-hand combat is Royenthal. And otherwise, it's like, 
anytime you see the FPA come into hand-to-hand combat with the Empire, it's usually in the form of the Rosenritter, and it is usually in the form of the Rosenritter just ruthlessly slaughtering them like it's fucking Dynasty Warriors. And right. Now that are you like, going to do that so, when they're just military SWAT guys? Right. Because so our our original assumption based on the ED scroll was, oh, maybe. The Empire also doesn't have power armor in this version of the story, and then because right, they're just wearing the plug suits, right? And all of a sudden, maybe it makes more sense that the Rosen Ritter are just like, you know, super operator tactical guys. But now that we know that the Empire have dudes in power armor with swords and axes and glaves, like, <laughs> how, how is Will gonna... out of the air with a pistol? Right, just, like, just how like, is Botoms? <laughs> Shoot them. <laughs> right. Like, is the Rosen like so we have now two like separate like strand theories on how this plays out. Like, are they gonna go the route of just oh, eventually they're gonna they're just gonna eventually reveal that the Rosen Ritter also have power armor and like they're just holding out on that because like budget or something, you know? Like eventually are they just gonna reveal that oh actually the Rosen Ritter do have power armor, but they only bring it out for like I don't know, special occasions. Right. Or are they going to go what I might actually almost think is the more interesting route of what if the FPA doesn't have power armor? And they just what fight. If, they just, they just fight them hand to hand. Right. What if they don't have mechs, but the Rosen Ritter still beat the Empire every single time in hand to hand combat? Like, like, what if the Rosen Ritter are just that good? Like, what if this is a case of like. What if this is a case of the Rosen Ritter just school on the Empire with superior tactics? Like, they throw in flashbangs into the room before, like, coming in. Or, like, they use, like, trip, like, you know, trip-wired mines or something, you know? Like, what if it's just that they just tactically school on the Empire despite, like, suffering a tech disadvantage? And I feel like either explanation could be equally likely. And... The you second know. one would be more fun, though, right? I think yeah. the second one would be more fun, potentially, yes. <laughs> but uh, right. I think we need to get into, like, the last part of, like, yeah. this episode, and maybe that gets to, like, maybe some of our concerns with D&T, and that is the kind of fateful encounter uh, with Jessica Edwards at the end of this episode. Yeah, the stadium massacre. Yeah. Yes. I, um... So, yeah, that that was the other thing I wanted to see why I watched these two episodes. And I might keep watching. We'll see. Did but, you want to um, know the context of Sunglasses Yog? Well, yes. Well, that, and I, right. Still can't deal. I was reading descriptions still, and I still saw. can't handle that. It's too much. Yeah, I was I was reading descriptions <laughs> and I saw that it was um, the part with Jessica Edwards. So I wanted to see how they handled that as well. What did, what did you guys think about how they handled that part? I so, think it's... <laughs> Yeah, I think ahead. it's weaker in almost every regard to the original OVA events. Um, yeah, I think that they still nail the core aspects of the Jessica Edwards moment. She still has the great speech. She still has what I think is to this day maybe one of the greatest speeches in this entire story of like, oh, because you want to die, your convictions are more valuable than mine. Like, right. It's a fantastic speech, and again, it's why Jessica Edwards to this day is still maybe one of our favorite characters as like the tragic scion of a true liberal democracy. And, but the way she's killed. So Eero double checked the original events of the OVA where she is still beaten by the, the, the NSMC thugs, but it is mm-hmm. not implied that she is directly killed by them. Uh, the firefight breaks out 
and then she's kind of shown like dead in the cross among among the rest of the dead like or yes whatever, you know? and so the implication of that scene is oh you know a tragic a tragic casualty of conflict of violence like we don't know who pulled the trigger on her we don't know maybe she was like, beaten m- yeah, maybe, maybe she maybe, was shot yeah. like Maybe maybe she got killed by one of somebody on her side, like just accidentally in the crossfire. We don't know. And like there is a message there about how indiscriminate violence is as a concept. But in this version, she is explicitly shown to get beaten to death by the NSMC, like complete with like slow-mo flying through the sky and everything. And it's yeah. like it doesn't work because it makes it feel it's more it's more anime. Like right. it, it, it's more melodramatic in in the bad way. The the and, commander guy is more of like a cartoon villain, right? He's like a sniveling cartoon villain, and like even worse than that, I think is actually the fact that they did not show Green Hill's reaction until after the scene. Whereas in the original OVA, and I know like to people who are listening, this probably sounds very tiresome for us to keep saying comparing <laughs> the show to the original OVA, but I think this comparison is important. Because this is the standard to which DNT has to be held to one way or another. Is that in the original OVA, Greenhill is informed, uh, uh, Commander Greenhill, kind of the leader of the NSMC, is informed of the protest. And Greenhill explicitly states light touch with the protesters, do not resort to violence, like defuse the protest as like as non-violently as possible. Like right. we cannot afford the PR debacle of if this goes bad. They don't have that in DNT, and so that makes Green Hill come off as like, at worst, like, like, at worst incompetent, at best, like hopelessly naive, like, because right, in the original right. OVA, we're showing that like, not, you, you just get the like one scene of him going, "Oh no!" at the end of this episode, right? And right. like, because the thing that I think that the OVA did a good job of trying to explain to us is that Green Hill, Green Hill's. Motivations are in the right place. Greenhill is legi- has legitimate grievances with the government of the FPA, and he's not wrong. Like, again, as I said last time, two out of six of the NSMC's goals are actually good and worth striving for, one of those being hang all the politicians. Like, his grievances are not incorrect, but what we are shown in the original OVA is that Greenhill's greatest issue is that he does not have the authority to keep like a tight leash on his subordinates. Right. And while, while he may have good ideals, the, like the rest of his subordinates are jackboot thugs. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, would it be fair to say that in the OVA, that this whole section kind of is a much more gray area type of, I like, like it's still pretty clear, you know, Yang's forces are in the right and everything, but, the, but but I feel like DNT makes it maybe a little more of a black and white, good, good and bad anime. I think I think yeah, it does. situation. Yeah, um, and with all that, we might as well get into like where the sun. Can, can, can I just say right. one more thing on the? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So I was gonna I was gonna go one step further with um, in the original Iro. Do you remember since you just checked? Did huh. did Jessica ever Edwards ever put a hand on the military guy at any point? Uh, I think she just like shouts at him to get out. Because in this one, he, like in this one, they actually he, have her like, run up and try her. to like, like in this one, they actually have her run up and try to stop the guy from beating the it's other like, person. He... And I, 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 I feel like I feel like I don't know. Go I feel ahead. like maybe they were trying to put some kind of. Uh, I don't want to say blame or implication on like both sides or something, but I don't know. 
I just, I, mean, I, I, think, I, I just agree that the whole thing was not handled as well or had as much impact. No, it was just, it was just a little bit more clumsily handled in general. I think it is kind of the, so, the unfortunate yeah, reality you know, of on the OVA. She just like kind of gets in his face and shouts at him, and then he right he hits her, and then other people charge him. Right. right. Okay. But in this in this one, he goes to like hit the guy, and she like grabs his arm, and he like judo flips her or something. Like, yeah, it's a little it's, it it was, was a little ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. flying through the air and everything. Right. Yeah. But, but the point is, I, th- I think they were trying to like it was almost like she was escalating it at some point. But I don't right. Know. I think the, the unfortunate reality is that the DNT's version almost again. I, I do not think DNT is advocating this belief, but I think that the DNT version almost like is implying in its subtext. Oh, like. See, like, this is why peaceful protests can't afford to escalate, right? Whereas I think the thing we talked about in the original, like, if you go back to our original podcast about the events with Jessica Edwards, I think we actually straight up mentioned that, like, like, peaceful protest only works so long as the people in power respect the peaceful protest. Exactly. And that there is yeah. no, there is no moral condemnation against peaceful protest turned violent. If the people in power also turn violent against the peaceful protest, because like there is no moral shame in self-preservation. Right. And whereas like the DNT version of the events almost like say like, you know, so much for peaceful protest, am I right, guys? Like, right, whether I, that I was intentional or not, it right. kind of comes off right. that yes. way. But yeah, all right. But uh, all right, do we? I think now we have to get it to yes, with sunglasses, young. Let's sunglasses get into... young, Jeez. and why? Like, the, the, the image itself is so ridiculous. It's so goofy because, like, without context, it's just. It's just it's just young and sunglasses. It's young when Lee and sunglasses. <laughs> it's young when Lee and Ray Bands and. It's so goofy looking. It's so like it's a, it deflates all of the drama and all of the tragedy out of yes, out of the I scene. Mean, I'm merely like, laughing uh, in the yeah. like, <laughs> while simultaneously being like, crazy depressed about Jessica Edwards because yeah, but like it deflates it all and like. I couldn't stop myself from just bursting right. out. Right. And it's like you the, the narrator is obviously doing his best to justify it, right? Like the narrator's explanation is not a bad explanation. In fact, the narrator's explanation is so specific, I have to assume that's in the original novel. Yeah, I right? like we'd have to check, but you'd have to check, but my feeling is that my feeling is that the writers of this anime would just not would not gin up sunglasses out of a vacuum. Like right. that is not that would never be your first choice for the portrayal of this scene unless that was in the original material and you were just copying that. But, like, the point of it is, like, oh, he's wearing sunglasses so people don't see his bloodshot, teary eyes, right? Like, the implication, oh, like, Yang Wen Lee took the death of Jessica Edwards extremely hard. He's, like, really emotionally destroyed by it. But as a that 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 passage might work in a book where you don't see the right. image but but in a visual medium <laughs> yes where it is yang giving commands on Iserlone or or not on Iserlone, on the hyperion while rocking these shades <laughs> is so <laughs> visually absurd <laughs> it's impossible Yo, to take seriously when you got when you guys showed me that screenshot i was like oh what hilarious hijinks Led up to oh, it's like uh, Dusty put it on a pirate uniform, right? Right, what, right. What, like, what hilarious uh, circumstances led up to Yang having to put on his deal then, with it sunglasses? No, you realize that the sunglasses the... are associated with actually one of the like saddest moments in the entire story. Right, one of the worst tragedies and in the uh, in the entire series, uh, so... full of terrible tragedies. And so, like, we had to go look back and like, so in the original OVA, what they the, what the narrator says is that like. 
He didn't say a word or whatever. Like Right, like Yang Wenli didn't say a word that entire day or like his emotions like betrayed no like expression, right? right? Like he was completely expressionless that day. <clears throat> and again, I think that like for this is why good adaptations are important because a good adaptation looks at the original source material of he was rocking shades because he was so sad. And and good a good adaptation is like no dude we can't do that that's ridiculous that looks it'll look stupid we at somebody like at some up. point somebody would draw the picture and be like no we can't we can't right like this is ridiculous <laughs> like like this is why like a good adaptation recognizes oh no we got to come up with another explanation because this is a visual medium and people are gonna see that and people are gonna be posting like fucking screenshots of that on Twitter like with like captions underneath it yep yang deal with it when lee right like people have already begun like you know throwing the captions of like uh when char asnable says uh i came to laugh at you <laughs> from the original gundam and put putting that under the screenshot of yang wen lee and sunglasses right and uh like you complain char asnable yang uh and it's just it's 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 weird and like here's the thing i think we're still gonna watch dnt because i think we're still like deeply interested in its approach to portraying these events and i do think that like on average i i i am still interested and i still do like dnt as an interesting portrayal of a of a story we have now grown deeply familiar with but right it is moments like these that definitely do make me worry about the show's ability to carry the same like weight and depth that the original yeah. OVA pulled off. Yeah. All right. Well, we always have the OVA, so. Not for I mean, long. not really. Not for long. Well, it'll always continue to exist. <laughs> you guys, we'll be done with it soon, but, uh, yeah. Will it really exist once we're done? <laughs> like. We'll become those people who are always constantly getting people to, trying to get people to watch it at the very least. But, uh. <laughs> if we're not already um all right so i think that's gonna do it for this episode then let's uh wrap things up with our housekeeping check us out at theglorioblog.com for all of our content you can follow us on twitter at theglorioblog um you can uh like comment subscribe or you know rate review whatever to the podcast on one of our many uh, sources here so you can check us out on itunes google play spotify podbean we also upload to youtube so uh check it out i haven't said in a while but tell your friends and tell your enemies uh tell everybody it all counts the same to us and uh that's gonna do it so uh we'll catch over next time Curry to see out